We're in Acts chapter 11 this morning. I want to use our sanctified imaginations this morning. I want you to I want you to try to picture something. Imagine you're living in ancient Rome. Living in a place like Rome, you are living in a walled city. And the walls provide you protection and safety. Because the world is crazy. There's barbarians outside. Within the walls of Rome, you have the Roman military watching over your family, and all is well in the world. Well, war has come. And so, men of a certain age must go to war. So maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your father. Maybe it's your brother. And they leave to go to war. And you're left there in the city walls. And the army marches away. And there's no news cameras, right? You can't watch the 7 o'clock news feed. How did the battle go? They're walking, and you have no idea how it's going to go. And if that goes badly for them, you'll know when the enemy's at the gates. You'll know our, we've lost our boys, and we must defend ourselves the best way we know how. So everyone waits in the city as the army is gone. They could be gone, man, weeks, months. Alexander's the Great's army was gone for like seven years. That's crazy. Let's say they go off to war. The battle's not too far away, and there's fear, and there's worry and concern. Then one day, a lone rider comes to the gates, and he's let in. And the rider comes running through the, riding through the streets, and he is heralding news. He's saying, everyone, everyone, we've won the battle. King Darius has fallen. Our boys are coming home victorious. And he'd ride street to street declaring this news. As the news declared, people began celebrating and cheering, going, oh man, Chet, we won. So we're safe and probably, hopefully, my loved one is safe too. Now, that, that, that riding, that heralding, there's a word for that in Greek. It was called evangelion. It was called good news. You would go and ride through the streets and you speak the good news to the people. And it was, you were announcing something that had already happened. You're saying, this happened over there, but it's going to change the way we live here. I have some evangelion for you. I have some good news for you. And this word, good news, is borrowed by Jesus and Paul. They use this same word to describe the news of the coming of the Christ. That's what the apostles call the news about Jesus. They call it evangelion. They call it gospel. They call it good news. I mean, the first four books of the New Testament are called the gospels, right? The gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John. People preach the gospel, the good news. The good news about Jesus. But here's the question. What is the good news we declare? The good news, good news we declare is so simple. 
the news I brought to the jail on Friday, the news we bring to Life Challenge every single week, the news we bring wherever we go as a church, as we, you go into your, your workplaces, your neighborhoods, your family, the news we are called to proclaim, the good news we bring to humanity is very simple. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. That's the good news. Jesus brings salvation. It's that simple. Jesus said it so many times. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but through me. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I'm the living water. I'm the bread of life. All this language, Christ is saying, I am bringing salvation to humanity. I am going to give to all peoples a way to know the God of heaven. And that's good news because people feel far away from him. God, for most people, is far away, and we're hoping, maybe if I do this or that, he'll like me. And we wonder if he hears or if he cares, and the Christ says, I can bring you home. This is good news. The good news is, everyone, Christ has died that you may live. That is good. That is freeing news. I met a guy in the jail on Friday, and there's a Reaching the Forgotten Ministries. They push a cart around the jail, and the jails are really messed up right now. I told you guys that, that people have been there for three years, four years, because the courts have been just stinking. They've been canceled. People have been there waiting for their court cases, and you just can't see a judge right now. People are just sitting there. I met a guy, uh, first offense. Wants to get out, his court is being pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. I asked him how much his uh, bond was. It was $110,000, which means 10% of that would be 11 Gs, right? 11 Gs. I'm like, dude, I, if I got arrested and they told me 11 Gs to get out, I'd be like, I guess I'm staying in jail. 11 Gs is a lot of money. And he keeps asking his mom, asking his pops. It's just not happening. I told the guys at jail, we tell the guys at jail, for how lost you may have been when you came here, Christ can bring you home. That is good news. You are more than what you've done. You are more than where you were born. You are more than your last name. You are more than all of these things. The God of heaven has made you and desires to know you. The gospel. Jesus died that you may live. In Acts 11, that gospel is going to be attacked. I would say the rest of the book of Acts is the gospel being attacked. See, in Acts 10, last week, Peter had a vision. Peter had a vision of a blanket coming down from heaven full of all these weird animals. A voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God says, what I have called clean, you do not call unclean. And Peter learns in that moment, he cannot call the Gentiles, the pagans, the idol worshipers. He can't call those peoples unclean. And the Jews did. Jews called everyone unclean. 
And God shows Peter, Peter, what I have called clean, you better not call unclean. And Peter realizes that the gospel is for all, it's good news for all people, not just the Jews, but for everyone, for us. And now you think all this, this whole extended family puts their faith in Jesus. They have a big Jesus party. And Peter's coming home, you'd think people would be pumped. If I came back here on a, after going on a, like a preaching retreat, if I came back and said, listen, man, we saw 100 people confess Christ, you'd be like, yeah! And so what happens when Peter comes home. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? So he comes back and he faces an attack. He said, Peter is the man. I don't know how to say this anymore. Like, Peter is beloved. He is the leader of the apostles. He's the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Peter is the man. He's respected, he's well-known, but Peter has crossed a line. And even though he's the man, this circumcision party is going to look to pull him down. So what is this circumcision party? <sighs> okay. I'll say it this way. The Pharisees in the gospel, in Matthew, Luke, and John, you meet this group called the Pharisees. They, they, they were Jewish rule followers. They were very, um, they lived really good lives. They obeyed all the rules. They're good, good people. They love their rules, though. They love their rules. And they loved their rules so much, if, when Jesus would kind of rub against their rules, they would get so mad at him. Well, Jesus died once again, and some of these Pharisees have become Christians. They're going to church every Sunday. They're taking, they're taking the table. They're eating communion with the saints. They're going to church. They're singing the songs. They're, they're listening to the apostles teach. They are part of the church. But they have this thought in their head. They believe if you want to be a Christian, you must be a Jew first. If you want to be a Christian, you got to do it the way we do it. You got to eat what we eat, dress like we dress, and you got to be circumcised, which is circumcision is, it's hard to understand that back in the ancient world, circumcision was the mark of the covenant. Every Jewish boy was circumcised as a mark of obedience to the Old Testament Mosaic, the law of Moses. That was something that every Jewish boy did. They were circumcised. And so all these Gentiles want to be Christians, and they're like, no. If you want to be a Christian, you got to be circumcised first, then you can come be a Christian. If you're, if you're a grown pagan dude, how's that for a message? Jesus loves you and surgery. Like that, that's, all, that's a really bad, like, I'm, if I'm like, if I'm hearing a sermon like Jesus, salvation, I'm getting up and like, surgery, I'm sitting back down. Like I'm like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to come up for that. I ain't coming down the aisle for that, that, that ticket of invitation. It ain't happening. 
But these guys, this circumcision party, they believe you must be Jewish to be saved. We have a word for this. And that word is legalist. Someone who adds law, who adds rules to God's good news. See, see, the gospel says Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. The legalist says Jesus plus something equals salvation. Now, these legalists add in circumcision. What's crazy is after 2,000 years, there's still some of these guys today. There's a, a whole movement. It's kind of underground, but it's still around. It's called the Hebrew Roots Movement. And I've seen good Christian people get sucked into this Hebrew Roots Movement. And the Hebrew Roots Movement says you must be Jewish to be Christian. You must keep the feasts, the festivals. You must keep the dietary laws. You must be circumcised. And I'm like, have you guys ever read this book? Like, this is the first fight they have, and those guys lose. And there are still people today who say, gotta be Jewish. No, we don't. But people love adding things to the Bible. People love to do it. And people often, when they add to the Bible, they love their something, they preach their something probably louder than they preach their Jesus. Let's give some examples of some things that are added to Jesus by the traditions of men and women. Okay. I come from a, uh, <laughs> a conservative, independent, fundamental Baptist background. And the world I come from, some of the big teachers said... You must read the King James Bible. The King James, the only Bible in English, the rest are of the devil. Hey, man, that's what they would say. <laughs> I've heard preachers say, if you got saved through an NIV, you weren't really saved. Those guys are wrong. You don't add the King, listen, it's a great Bible. You read the Psalms of King James, you're like, I'm Shakespeare, yo. It's a good Bible. But we don't make it necessary for salvation. Christ alone. Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, brings salvation. That's, that's, a, that's an easy one. Because you guys, they're wrong. Some people add their domination to the mix. Some say, unless you're part of our tribe, you're not really a Christian. Jesus plus Baptist equals salvation. That's wrong, too. And a lot of denominations do this. A lot of groups are like, our group's the best group, and we'll be the only ones in heaven. They're crazy. Heaven's not that small, that boring, or that lame. They're not, the, okay, heaven is, like every tongue, tribe, nation will be there. The drummers, the piano players, the hand wavers, the face fallers, all going to be in the house. And it's going to be, and we're going to be richer for it. You can't add your denomination. I was at a, a church last night, we're getting ready for a wedding, and there was a historical marker outside the church saying that this church had been there for like 100 years. 
and that the church was founded by an old Methodist circuit rider. So a guy would come by on a horse, get off, preach, get on his horse, go to a different village, preach some more. And this guy would found churches all over the stinking, empty Michigan areas. And it, it, the, the, the thing said it was the only church in the region for a long time. And we're going to say that's not really Christ doing his work. That faithful horse, dude, I, I realized, I realized last night, I am a modern Methodist circuit rider. I just, I just ride a car instead of a horse and go around and preach, boom, 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 boom. They're part of the family. The Methodists, the Lutherans, we're part of the same big family. We can't just say our tribe figured it out, no one else has. Another one for you. Some, I'm telling you this just to protect you and, and, and guide you. Some well-meaning Christians will say that if you, they'll say, ah, it's hard to say out loud. Some people say, unless you supernaturally speak in a angelic language called tongues, you're not a Christian. Some people say Jesus plus tongues equals salvation. They say if you do not, if you're not emotional like they are, you're not in the family. They're wrong. They're wrong. You can't read first and Second Corinthians of the Bible, I mean, you see Paul trying to rein in those guys, saying, guys, 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 I know you like your gift of tongues real, I know you like your gift of tongues, but shut up for a second. And they're like, okay. Like, it, it, was, it was that, it was already getting out of control that fast. Listen, we're not, like, we're not against tongues. We believe God can bless people with that, with that special gift, but it's one of many gifts. It's not the only gift. And I see people that try to say, if you don't, Worship God the way I worship God. You're not really in the family. They're wrong, and they're harmful, and they're perverting the gospel. They're hurting people. I have seen, I remember once I went to a church, and what, we went there, me and two of my friends, and one of my friends was this girl, and she was very shy, introverted, and they told her, man, if you were really a Christian speaking tongues, and they prayed over her, and they wouldn't let her leave until she spoke something. So she just made it up. She was like, a bugger, bugger, bugger. And they let her go. <laughs> Listen, you don't bully people into your movement. Let them go home, yo. We don't add to the gospel. Now listen, I've done some theology stuff. Let's do some real practical stuff now. A lot of people nowadays love to add politics to the gospel. On both sides. Some people say Jesus plus Trump equals salvation. And they're wrong. I have a savior. And he has better hair. I'm just saying, I got a savior, and he didn't need to pastor his name on buildings to feel good about himself, okay? I don't worship at that altar. And you shouldn't either. Because that guy's just a man, and he's not a good one either. So there's that. Hey, yo, ooh, that went too far. Still. At the same time, some people say Jesus and 
Black Lives Matter equals salvation. And they're wrong too. The left or the right don't own Jesus. I have good, God-fearing, Christ-loving people who voted for Trump. We have good, God-fearing, Christ-loving people who voted for Biden. And they both love the Christ. They're not in disobedience to Jesus because of how they voted. We have freedom in Christ. The issues we face are difficult. I hear Christians try to simplify them and say, if you're not on my team, you're not really a Christian. That is lunacy. That's lo- we can't draw a line and say, if you're not on my side, you're not really with Jesus. We are not the arbiters of who belongs to God. He is. There's freedom. Now, most of us aren't extremes like this. We're just normal people. But I want to say, when you go to churches, a lot of churches take these extreme positions and say crazy things, and they they make Christ look ugly. They add something to the gospel, and they hurt the gospel. If you go to a church and someone says, Jesus plus something of salvation, you probably should find another church. You don't want to go to that house because they're perverting the gospel and they're going to they're gonna make their something more important than Jesus. If you add anything to the gospel, you don't make Christ better, you lose Christ. If you add politics to your religion, you don't gain a pure religion. You gain authoritative politics is what you gain. You lose Christ and gain insane-sounding rhetoric is what you get. These legalists come to Peter and they say, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. You went and ate with unclean people that we do not like. You've broken our rules. Here's what I learned about legalists. Legalists love criticizing God's work. They're critical of God's work. Of all the ministry we do in Flint City, in jails, among sex workers, among those in recovery, The most stress and tension is often caused by the legalists nitpicking everything we do. I'll, go, I'll talk about Rome. Rome. Incredible empire ruled for like 500 years, something crazy like that. Ruled for a long time. Rome fell to barbarians eventually. But most historians will tell you that Rome did not Rome did not fall because barbarians were strong. Rome fell because internally they became weak and they just fell over when the barbarians came. The church of Christ can face any outward battle. If the state comes to the church, the church will stand. The church can face any outward battle. Against spiritual darkness, the church will kick the devil's teeth in every time. You know, you know what can kill the church quick? Internal fighting. 
the legal. I see churches where legalists just raise up and cause so much civil war, division, awfulness. It is so sad. And listen, I'm going to say something. We don't have a lot of that here, and I'm grateful for that. But I see it. I hear it. I'm grateful that for the most part, those of us that are here, we know the mission is not trying to nitpick every single work of God. Instead, the mission is to reach those who are far from God. We're on a mission to those outside of these walls. Legalists love being critical of God's work in the world. And I used to be this way. When I was in Bible college, we would all sit around. We're, we're all 18-year-old buttheads, don't know anything. And we stinking would sit around, every church in America was wrong, and we knew how to do stuff better. We never passed through our lives. We talked trash on Rick Warren, talked trash on Willow Creek, talked trash on every church in America, like, this pastor does this, if I was the pastor, <laughs> we've never done anything. We're 18 years old. I, I didn't know what you wanted to buy at the store. And I'm all like, if I was the pastor, I'd do all this stuff. And we talked trash in these ministries that God was using. And I remember going and visiting every one of these ministries I talked trash on and seeing how God was using them and going, I am a loudmouth buffoon. Who am I to blow up these works that God's doing across the world? Listen, in Flint, Michigan, we're not the only church here in Flint. We're not. God's doing good stuff all over the place. Our boy Leo at Good Church on the North Side, doing incredible things, reaching teenagers like crazy on the North Side. And we, if I meet someone from the North Side, I say, hey, listen, don't go to my church, go to Leo's church. He's right down the street from your house. Go there, it's awesome. There are people around us doing great work. We're not the only restaurant in town. We're not. Legalists love being critical of God's work. And sadly, legalists are hard to convince they're wrong. Legalists are often very smart. The Pharisees were wicked smart. Peter is going to spend 10 verses telling them about the vision. The blanket came down. The animals were there. God told me to, that what, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. I went to Cornelius. He got saved. Let's see how, how he ends. Verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Man, God saved those guys. Who am I to stand in God's way? Peter's like, God did it. I believe it. Let's do this thing. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It seems here at the, the, the scriptures and party, they lose. It seems like right here, they go, okay, Peter, you're right. Cornelius should be part of the church. It's great. You understand something? No. If you keep reading the Bible... These guys keep showing up and saying, no, 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 Jewish first. They, 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 Peter reasons with them. He talks to them. He tries to assuage their fear. But soon as it goes silent, they're at it again. In Acts 15, they're at it again. And when Paul comes around, and Paul plans churches all over Asia Minor, Every time Paul plants a church and Paul leaves, every single time, they would come in behind him and say, hey, listen, Paul gave you the beginning of the gospel, but we're going to take you deeper. I love that. The legalists often use that language of going deeper. We're going to take you deeper to the real things. And they try to add 
Jewish law to the gospel. Every single city, these people keep on doing this because they love their something. Be careful not to be taken in by people's somethings. Listen, you're allowed to like politics. You're allowed to like, your, if, you're, if you're Baptist or Lutheran, you're allowed to like your denomination. I have friends of mine who are like, assemblies of God, they love their denomination. Love their denomination. I wish I had one. You know, I wish we had one as a church. We have, we're praying to find one as a people, to find a group that will actually take us, you know. Um, I'm just saying, we don't fit a lot of places. They have a lot of rules. <sighs> um, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to love it. You're allowed to lean into your tradition. It's all allowed. What we cannot do is make it necessary for, we can't make it a hurdle for others coming to Christ. When the first missionaries were going across the world to bring Jesus to the to foreign lands. There's stories of missionaries from Europe going to Africa and they'd bring in pianos into the inner country because they believed the only way to worship God was with the pianos singing English hymns. The missionaries would go into the, dark, the darkest jungles of Africa, tell them, put your drums down, drums are evil. This piano, though, is where it's at. They made things that were not central, central, and it hurt a lot of people. We simply want to encourage you. The gospel is beautiful. And there are, there are deeper things. As we abide in Christ, he will deepen our love for God and our love for others. Beware of those who would add to the gospel. Beware of legalists. They're tricky, they're sneaky, they will hurt you and they will hurt God's people. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing. He's that good. When he died upon the cross, what did he say? It is finished. It is accomplished. It is completed. Jesus died that we may live. That is the good news we declare to all people. With that said, let us pray together. God in heaven, thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for this community of believers that we call Flint City Church. The mission is, is so much part of us. We're not sitting around just fighting about what color to paint this or that. We're not fighting about the dumb things we're going after. We are trying to be a light in a dark world. I'm grateful for this place and this people. For those who are watching online who work to other churches, Lord, as they go to their churches, let them find places that love Christ so desperately that they would avoid and stay far away from any addition to your completed work on the cross. Lord, help us to love your son and abide in him. 
We ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.